What's going on, guys? Zach from the Wrestling With Issues Podcast here, and welcome to episode 162 of the Young Lions Perspective. So glad to have you guys here with me on this Thursday afternoon, and I hope you're enjoying your day, your night, your afternoon, your evening, wherever you may be, wherever you are in the world. Thank you guys so much for taking out this episode of the podcast, and as always, I greatly and truly appreciate it. Let me grab my coffee here. I hope you guys are enjoying your day so far. Hope it's serving you well, whether you be at work, on vacation, or doing something important. Let's get into what I loved about AEW Dynamite last night. And the most important thing I think we were given from last night's episode of AEW Dynamite was the fact that we had a really good episode of AEW Dynamite last night. It was a really, really fun episode of Dynamite, a great way to end my birthday, um, it was a really, really solid episode of the, uh, of Dynamite, and I was thoroughly impressed with what they brought to the table, um, which was, was just crazy that, you know, they even got a solid episode out of this, not to say that it's a bad thing, but they really did a lot of things to move forward with the storylines as they're heading into AEW Revolution on February 29th. Now that we're getting to the month of February, now we're getting down to the nitty gritty. It's going to be fun to see how how they move forward with the last four, five episodes of Dynamite going into Revolution. That's a huge takeaway. That you know, they got us excited for what's to come in the month of, Fe- of February. Uh, now that we're in revolution season, now that we're heading towards revolution, we're starting to see everything develop. And that's, and that's the most important thing that came out of this is that they are now really in their element. They're really in their deep into their storylines. January was kind of the setup for everything that's about to come in February. And I think that's that's a big thing that AEW has done well with, especially when they lead in towards their pay-per-views. Uh, we saw with um, the lead-up to Full Gear, they had the entire month of October to lead up to Full Gear, and I believe the first week of November leading into um, Full Gear. I think they had like a week or two in November, so they had about six weeks of build to get it to full gear whereas this time around they had they've had about so they've had five weeks so far in this and i believe they're gonna have another four or five weeks in february leading up to revolution so having enough time to help build storylines and help build you know the entire month of january and now that we're going into february we're gonna be curious fans are gonna be curious to see what they're going to be capable of for the month of February leading into Revolution. That's probably going to be the one of the biggest things to come out of it. It's just that feeling of, okay, what's next? That's probably a bigger a bigger thought than, you know, what they're going to do with, you know, Moxie Jericho and all this stuff. They're going to, you know, everything they've done and what they're going to be doing for February, February built was built up from January and now the biggest thing the big one of the big things that came out of Dynamite announcement wise for next week is that um, 
Cody is going to have to take 10 lashes from MJF next Wednesday on live on Dynamite, you know, pretty much is just a way of like humiliation, you know, or all this stuff. I thought they're going to, I thought the stipulation was that if he lost, he would take those 10 lashes, but he's going to have it next week, kicking off the month of February doing that. Um, I, I'm going to be, I'm very excited to see what, you know, in what capacity they're going to have MJF whoop the shit out of them. They're going to whoop, they're going to they, they're going to have MJF revel in this. And they're going to have MJF just enjoy every single lash that he's going to give to Cody. But you got to think, too. Um, stipulation one is that Cody can't touch MJF between the night that was announced and up until Revolution. The next one, of course, stipulation three is now in effect. They're going to do the 10 lashes and... Though I believe the like, 10 days before Revolution, they're going to have Wardlow versus Cody, and Wardlow is going to make his AEW debut against Cody. So, I mean, this is a very, this is the top story, this is the, one of the top storylines. If someone say the top storyline of AEW, that's not necessarily um, the case for me. Uh, I would consider that to be a number two. Um, the top storyline is Jack, uh, Jericho Moxley. And I love the way they opened with that as well, having, of course, Moxley come out in his home state of, um, Ohio, um, pretty much, you know, you know, talking about, you know, when he got stabbed in the eye, saying the funding games of Jericho are over, now, you know, it's official, you know, pay-per-view in Chicago, Jericho Moxley for the world championship, um, you know, it's gonna be more than a match with the go. everything that comes with him, um, you know, talking about Jericho orchestrating five-on-one beatdowns, hiding behind his squad, um, trying to take another man's eye out, stealing Rey Mysterio's mask, punching a woman, um, which basically I saw on Twitter, um, he accidentally hit Shawn Michaels' wife in the face with a punch, um, so bringing up old, bringing up real old shit, uh, digging into the crate, if you will, um, he's, you know, he even says he's not perfect, he's not a hero, he's not a role model, nor is he a saint, um, I have to look myself in the mirror. Titles don't mean anything if you don't have honor. I don't have a code. Um, pretty, but yeah. Just, just going up and pretty much going down the list and everything. You know, saying I will take Chris Jericho out. I will take the title from Jericho, and there's nothing he can do about it. It's not about the man you are. It's about the man you're not. If they even make it to the revolution, I'm gonna have to, you know, go through the next month with my head on a swivel. You know, asking Jericho to come out so they can, he can get his ass beaten right now, like a man. Jericho then comes out, you know, calling Cleveland idiots, um, asking, you know, what he earned here despite to the eye. All he had to do was accept the offer of joining the inner circle. Now he looks like a jacked up, cracked up Captain Jack Sparrow. Yo ho ho in a bottle of dumb, you know, all, all that stuff, you know, saying that uh, Ohio's stupid, you know. Excuse me. You know, it's crazy. You know, of course, then going the route of, you know, you want to see it, you want to see this match, and he tells them all to go to hell, saying he doesn't, Cleveland doesn't deserve this match, and he always brings out, brings it to his boys in your circle. They come out. And what I do like is that they had a new faction theme song. I thought the theme song sounded pretty good, um, a bit better than uh, what they had before, which I think they just came out to uh, Judas for the most part. I do like their uh, new theme song. I really did like that. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Uh, of course, Moxley had the whole crowd with him, you know, doing the OHIO chant, which me as a Penn State fan, cringed that a little bit, 
but I got past it. Uh, so pretty much he brings out uh, five more boys from the South Bronx, and it makes it a 10 against one, or as he says, 10 against him and his um, Ohio, idiot Ohio friends. They all they, you know, they start brawling. Ortiz comes out with an axe handle. He gets caught up in Dirty D's. Goes after the faction. Security rushing out. Uh, crowd screaming, let them fight. You know, gives security guard Dirty Deeds. And that's pretty much what we got for the first 15 minutes of Dynamite. And they did this spectacularly well. It was very well done. The promo was well done. Um, you know, the typical, you know, brawl. I guess segment, but this really felt, you know, like a big fight feel. Jer- Jericho Moxley um, is going to be a big deal come the 29th of February, and I'm excited to see what the next few weeks are going to lead up to, what hijinks they're both going to get into in order to get up, one up on each other, um, leading up to their world title matchup at AEW Revolution. The, bu- the Blade and the Butcher and the Bunny is one of those tag teams, well, should I should say a little stable, if you include, um, you know, Allie, they're very, very, and working with MJF in Wardlow, I think that was the best case scenario for all parties involved. Um, the What they did with the video package before they uh, had their match against the Young Bucks, um, MJF comes with Wardlow, gives him the payment, and pretty much, you know, lets them know the target they're going after. They, they did this pretty well. Uh, just, you know, going with that butcher theme and all that stuff. And you know, the crazy thing is, and I even said this to myself last night while watching this, Andy Williams started to warm up to me. I already know who Pepper Parks was. I already know who uh, Allie was. Andy Williams is kind of like the outsider of the group in a sense because we didn't. I didn't really know who he was. Andy Williams is a fucking beast in that ring. Um, granted, he is... Um, I'm trying to think. I know he's a you know in a rock band as well, and which is really really cool. So uh, he's from the band Every Time I Die, and um, I believe a couple weeks ago he went on tour for a couple weeks. I think he went. He was gone for two weeks because he and his band were doing their uh, a European leg of their tour. So that's why he wasn't present um, for a couple weeks. But he does is involved in a band. I do follow him on Instagram. Um, he's a really good follow on Instagram if you want to see, like, you know, his life outside of that. It's a really cool thing. And I think with Andy and Pepper being a tag team, or should I say Braxton Sutter, they make they are a very, very wonderful tag team. They've done very well for themselves, even a loss to the Young Bucks. They really had a great match with the Young Bucks, and it was a great opening matchup. One of the better opening matchups I've seen since the beginning of AEW Dynamite um, back in October. They really worked very well together. Of course, Williams being the powerhouse and Pepper Parks being more of the speed guy. This was a very, very fun match to watch. These four guys really worked well together. Of course, Allie had her part in the match at points. They really, they really, really did have a solid matchup. Now, unfortunately for MJF, um, they didn't get the job done and pretty much, you know, lost, had uh, the Butcher and the Blade lose to the Young Bucks. So that was that was kind of a nice thing there. What really was important, though, after this matchup is that when Williams Williams attacked the Bucks, uh, MJF was going bananas. Out comes Kenny Omega. Hits him with a V-trigger. 
kinda. If you watch, if you uh, follow Boss Club on Instagram, you will see that they kind of missed. <laughs> uh, Kenny re- kind of missed that V trigger. Um, Williams did sell it, and kudos to him for doing so. But yeah, he missed that by a fucking mile. <laughs> Just gonna put that out there. You can find that on Botch Club on Instagram. See how much he really did miss. But then, Hangman Page comes out. What, of course, and I'll get to why I like the angle in a second. Comes out, literally asks Matt to hold his beer. Still hits the buckshot lariat. Takes out Blit. Takes out Pep, uh, Braxton Sutter. Um, Hangman then finishes his beer. He heads to the back. Of course, you know, Matt and Nick are just like, thank you. Appreciate you, man. Like, you know, on some, like, somewhat sarcastic, on somewhat sarcasm. So he was pretty much like, yeah, thank you. Uh, appreciate you. Um, all that shit. But what I do like about Hangman uh, in this angle with Kenny and the books is that the first thing I said to myself when I saw Hangman and how they were going to do this, I, was, I told myself immediately, they're going to they're going Scott Hall route. They're going to Scott Hall route. And for those of you who don't know about the Scott Hall angle back in the WCW days, I think this was 98, actually. You know, Hall and Nash were like the premier tag team in WCW. Multiple-time world tag team champions, ran that tag team division for years, had multiple feuds with Harlem Heat, which were some of my favorite feuds in WCW, personally. And... Scott Hall started, you know, they started the angle with Scott Hall being a drunk and coming out to the ring and actually being in matches and, you know, battling in the ring drunk, which became a huge problem, which led to the breakup of Hall and Nash, um, unfortunately, um, in WCW, of course. So they're taking this angle and amplifying it um, a million times over. And this will probably, and of course, the drinking is going to be the cause of, of the breakup between Page and Omega. That's pretty much how it worked with um, Hall and Nash, is that, you know, they pretty much kind of, not so much ousted him from the group, but um, were very concerned for his well-being, and I, I can, I, if I'm reading through the tea leaves properly, not only is it going to get to a point where it's Page Omega versus the Bucks, but I think it's going to get to a point where of course, Paige and Omega are going to fight. And, again, the root cause of all of this is because of Paige drinking. Paige being a straight-up drunk. Now, the crowd went bananas for this, and I and I was just like, well, he, he was drinking, and he still was able to hit a buckshot Larry getting his drink on. Um, and that definitely gets some, some, you know, crowd fanfare and all that good stuff. So it's not that much of an issue for it. And that's, and that's a big plus. And I think this angle is going to serve all parties involved very well, that being Paige Omega and the Bucks. The other thing is with Pac and Omega, and Pac still wants that third matchup with Omega. He says it still has never gotten that third match with Omega since months ago when they had their second, and Paige still wants that. So it's not like, you know, that storyline has gone away yet. Which I do appreciate about what AEW is bringing to the table with that. They're not, you know, just having all that fun stuff. And his video package was fucking amazing. Um, 
he starts out, he's in full gear when he's doing his promo, saying a moving vessel is no place for competition, and that AEW should hang their heads in shame. John Moxley made his bed, so now he'll lie in it. He can have his fun with the inner circle, but I will come for the other eye. Excuse me. I can't even say Kenny Omega's names without getting sick. But it seems that you finally heard me. The arrogance and audacity is where what I really can't stand. Fitting me in when it's convenient for you? No, that doesn't work for me. What will happen is that now we do everything on my terms. Starting next week, I'm coming for blood. So this is gonna be a very, and that's that's the crazy thing surrounding Kenny Omega. Not only is he dealing with Hangman Page being one half of the tag team champions and being his tag partner, he's still got Pac looming right behind him, just waiting, and Pac's waiting to pounce. Um, that's going to be, and it's going to be, it's going to be really, really fun to see um, what happens, you know, goes down with that um, particular move going forward. Now, next week. We have some match announcements, which I do like, which I do love about AEW. They give you, you know, something to look forward to next week. And I see does the same thing. Um, but the matches of the AEW Dynamite are going to be bringing to the table actually are still involved with storylines. So we know that Cody will take 10 lashes from MJF to satisfy the third stipulation um, for their matchup at AEW Revolution. We then get um, Moxley going up against Ortiz uh, due to the fact that Moxley hit Ortiz with the Dirty Deeds. You know, that, that's a very nice way for him to go at, continue going after um, the inner circle. We'll see what happens with that. Britt Baker will go up against Yuka Sakazaki. So it's going to be, you know, and we haven't seen uh, Yuka in quite a while, actually. I think all the way back to last summer was the last time we actually saw her in an AEW ring. So it's going to be fun to see how these two work well together next week. And the last announcement they had was the Butcher and the Blade. Um able to work uh Kenny Omega actually during the segment after the matchup um you know talking to young bucks that you know seeing as you know I haven't seen you guys in a while or I've been out of the way for a while was I'm trying to get a matchup with the elite the young bucks hangman page and Kenny Omega taking on the butcher the blade and um a tag team of their choosing so they choose the lucha brothers to go up against the elite so that's gonna be a very fun eight-man tag i'm assuming that's gonna be the main event of next week's episode of dynamite when they go to huntsville mississippi which i'm not i'm not mistaken that's where they're gonna have it next week and they're gonna really do some things with that and that's what i love about AEW for the most part is that you know even though certain teams aren't really in, you know, going in certain storylines, it's just that bringing, <coughs> excuse me, they're bringing back guys. Like Lucha Bros have beef with the Young Bucks. They also have beef with Kenny Omega, and they also have kind of beef with Hangman Page. And bringing them in for an eight-man tag is going to be a wild eight-man tag for next week. So, I mean, adding it's that intertwining storyline still with certain guys going, you know, having faced each other while back and still making it feel relevant and, and that's a fun thing to do with that and something I do truly appreciate Cody Rhodes and Kip Sabian 
um, was a very interesting matchup. I very, I really much enjoyed that because there was a couple laughs out there. The first thing I went and I, I thought was funny as all hell was when Arn Anderson came out with Cody and you know of course regular attire that he wears, sweater vest, all that shit. Boy came out with the NFL laminated playbook for this matchup, and I thought that was absolutely hilarious. Um, just seeing that, and I was talking with um, Jermaine from uh, from the squad from the Patreon chat last night. We were just well, we were just you know going talking about some things that was going on, um, and even he was just like you know he, he kind of he looks like Andy Reid. He looks like a Andy Reid doppelganger, and I was like, now I actually thought the same thing. I was like, dude, trying to be like Andy Reid out here with this shit. Um, I was a nice little nice little detail that they had in there, you know, being the head coach, playing along with that theme, having him coming out with a laminated playbook or whatever. I was very, I, I enjoyed it. I thoroughly enjoyed that little detail. And what I did, what I did love about last night was that they, they're, when it comes to their detailing and their, you know, being detail oriented, I thoroughly enjoy that little aspect of um, dynamite and little Easter eggs and all of this shit. Uh, even MJF tweeting during the match with the Butcher, the Blade, and the Bunny against uh, the Young Bucks. Uh, he was tweeting out, you know, talking shit about um, Tony. You know, just talking shit, you know, saying, you know, somebody needs to get his diaper changed, stinks, all that shit. I thought it was absolutely fucking hilarious. And I, and I just, it's just little minute details that make this, you know, just fucking hilarious. Uh, With the match itself between Sabian and Cody, um, the Joey Janela spot was absolutely fucking hilarious. That was probably one of the most hilarious things to come out of it. Um, Let me see if I can find the spot here. Let me sort of find it. Hopefully, uh, Chair Shot actually had that. Oh, no, they didn't do it. Oh, they didn't have it. Oh, that's beat. That's kind of beat. I don't like that. Okay, so during the matchup, I think this was after the... Um, yeah, okay, here we go. Yeah, it was right after Penelope hit a Rana on Cody. Sabian flies out onto Cody with a suicide dive. Um, this was after Arn Anderson got uh, ejected from the matchup, which I thought was fucking stupid uh, to do. And, you know, right as they're about to kiss, Joey Janela slips in, he gets two kisses on the cheek, and, you know, that was a pretty hilarious moment, he was just like, I gotcha, and they realize what what just happened, Joey Janela gets away, Damien goes after, uh, tries to go after um, Janela, Kobe gets on Sabian, drags Sabian back up to the ring, uh, hits the springboard, Sabian drag picks the legs out though, drags Cody up for a draping neck, Breaker gets two count out of that, um, Sabian then puts Cody in a corner, hoisting him up top. Sabian climbs up the Jordan Cody. Jo- uh, Cody then fights back. He then elbows Sabian down. Sabian hits an enziguri. Hi. Up. Good girl. Good girl. And that, ladies and gentlemen, was your obligatory Mario moment of the show as put in her contract for the next three years like an edge deal. What? Go Nene. She's so cute. Um, getting back into it, Sabian climbs back up, Cody still resists, Cody headbutts, uh, Clay clubs Sabian to the apron, hits a sling dog, Sabian hits a sling dog on Cody, 
brings Cody back up to the torture rack. Cody just lands out his feet from the flip. Uh, goes to the springboard, hits the Cody Cutter, hits Crossroads three times. One, two, three. That's pretty much it. And that was a... Now, you got. I even said on Twitter, you got him the first time off the Crossroads. We, we were good on that. So that's not an issue with that. Three was a little... A little... Uh, you know, a little bit too much for me. Um, one would have done the trick. I mean, I kept saving those, sold it like a champ, which I do appreciate, but it was a little bit excessive towards the end. That's the word I was looking for. The thing, the what I did, now I discussed this last week on Love Hate, AEW Dynamite, about Britt Baker. Um, I did not like her promo one bit last week. Um, going up now, I mean, throwing shade on Tony, you know, really, really funny. After that, though, it's like, you know, I'm a smart woman. I'm educated. Look at me. I'm beautiful. I'm the hottest woman on the ship. Oh, my God. I mean, she's she good looking. She's attractive. We've seen better. We know this. That's not much of an issue. But the thing is, though, she went from that to actually going at the necks of not only Tony Schiavone, but she went at JR's neck, and she also went at Cleveland's neck, which is what you're supposed to do as a heel. Which is very, which is what I would want in in a bitch like Britt Baker as a heel. So, getting into this, so Doctor uh, Baker comes in, Cleveland starts to boo her. Tony starts the interview, talking, you know, I'm here with Britt Baker, and then immediately, Britt Baker interrupts and says, Doctor, Britt Baker, Doctor. So that was a nice little touch. Uh, didn't mean to offend you. I'm sorry. You know. And then she starts up her promo saying, we're a dream team, Tony. We're the stars of the show and trending robot on Twitter. But I, well, I was. Tony, but you were there. Um, the true offense from last week was that good old JR cutting me off via production. She knows, I know, you simplify me into just being a dentist while being all smug, collecting a large check when others do all the work. Be the legend be the legend I grew up on, Jim. Not a sloppy barbecue sauce salesman who can't even get our rosters names straight. Woo! Coming up with that fire. Fans, of course, didn't like that. They don't like this Brick disrespecting JR. Britt then says, This is my division. I was the first one inside the AEW. My face is on all the posters. I promise you all that I will be here each and every week. My smile beaming across your screens, which is more than what we can say about our champion, Rio. She says, Tony, I care about you. So just judging from the stench of your breath, I can con- with, you know, I can confidently diagnose you to mild to moderate gingivitis. Pick up a damn toothbrush. As for Cleveland, congratulations. You finally now have a baker you can trust. Oh my god! Oh, 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 all that, all the shade, oh, ooh, mm, mm, ooh, that was, that was absolute fire coming from Brent in this promo. That was just fantastic. They really, I think, W, I was going to say WCW, I think AEW figured out that maybe last week wasn't the best promo. I, they, I understand where they were trying to come from, what they were trying to portray with Britt Baker coming to the table, and it was good. I mean, for what they were trying to do, I'll give them an A for effort. But last week, it was really, really, really 
Ooh. Or let me just find this real quick. Going on to YouTube. more like this. And that was the that's what it kind of sounded like to me. Um that, that I mean it, it, it was pretty bad. It was a pretty bad, you know, promo from Britt Baker last week, but this one really really took the cake and made me happy to see that um That they actually really, you know, realized the error of their ways, and it, you know, it was it was a very proper promo, and it pretty much, you know, kind of sounded like this. <laughs> and with and that's what the that's the difference between you know the two. That Baker last week was bad. This week was just a straight fire promo with Britt Baker and it was a definite night and day thing and I, like I said they, I think they've realized the error of their ways from last week and had their and the writers really came together to you know, like you know what we maybe need to help solidify Britt Baker as more of a heel even more especially if we nail this promo and they absolutely nailed it um, her and Giovanni work very well together chemistry wise he, you know he looks pretty much he's like the patsy in all of this and I hate to say that about Tony Giovanni because he is a true living legend when it comes to like professional wrestling commentary which I do appreciate being a person that used to love WCW back in the late 90s from 96 to 99 they work very well together her coming at JR's neck was great her coming at Cleveland's neck was fantastic um, she looked good we gotta appreciate you know her looking good you know go team Cole baby um <laughs> i am just a man i am merely just a man ladies and gentlemen the dark order going after christopher daniels is something i truly appreciate and going back to the promo they had a couple weeks ago with the exalted one whoever he may be um a lot of people are hoping a lot of people are hoping it's brody lee a lot of people are hoping it's brody lee and I would be all, I would not be opposed to that. I would not be opposed to it whatsoever. Um, I know they're biding their time with the Exalted One. Now, I'm really curious to see who it is. Um, Father James Mitchell would be a very solid choice for me. Uh, if you've never watched, uh, if you never knew who um, Father James Mitchell was, I would say go back to the old school TNA days. You can probably find it on YouTube without question. I'm actually going to look for it right now while we're doing this on real time. I'm trying to see um, if I can find old TNA people. If I can find it. I, I, I don't know. Fuck you. I don't want to. See if I can find it. That's going to be a wet No. Let's see if I can find it. The TNA Wrestling pay-per-views. Okay, yeah. So, like, oh, yeah. You can actually find it. You can actually find their um, old stuff. You know, if you go, if you type in, like, when, the TNA pay-per-views... Um, TNA Wednesday, uh, Wednesday pay-per-views were always a good one. Um, you know, they have, they have very classic, 
um, pay-per-views, which which I truly appreciate, and they, I love their weekly pay-per-views. Uh, when I was a young, when I was a kid in middle school, um, they had it was a very fun time in TNA with with that, and I was thoroughly happy with what they brought to the table in terms of. with that and I really enjoyed that I really was happy with what they brought to the table I was very thoroughly pleased with what they did to that so I I can appreciate that but now going now going into the dark order with and uh Christopher Daniels uh this is right after SCU's victory over the hybrid two um you know saying the exalted one is unhappy with him and when he is unhappy he acts quickly the SCU, Daniel's family, are all targets. But Stu, who do you want to go after first? I don't care. And you consider this their one and only warning. Snap his fingers, and you immediately go to joindocorder.com, which is an actual thing. Which is an actual hilarious thing. Oh, it actually came up pretty quick. Holy shit. Yeah, boom. Yep, there it is. Joindocorder.com as an actual thing. You can go on there right now. I'm looking at it. <laughs> this is an actual thing. Holy shit. This is, this is the real deal. But yeah. So that is pretty cool. That's, that's a pretty cool thing, you know, to see that. So if you want to join the Dark Order, join DarkOrder.com. Not shameless plug, shameless plug. So it looks as if Dark Order and SCU are going to be in, entering a program. Uh, they've really been working on it for the past couple of weeks, of course, going after Kenny Omega, Hangman Page, Michael Nakazawa, all these guys. But I think their main focus is now on Christopher Daniels, and I'm thinking they're going to do a Dark Order SCU match at AEW Revolution come the 29th of February, which is cool with me. It has a good story behind it, um, considering the fact that, you know, Daniels pretty much denied them the chance to be a part of the Dark Order. Now, Dark Order is setting their sights right on Mr. Christopher Daniels himself. And what I want to last touch on with this episode, because there's a lot, I think there's a whole bunch of good that come out of this. Um, The main event, which I always want to keep an eye on, uh, this was a fantastic main event. And I know some of you will probably be like, I don't care, my show, my rules, I don't give a shit. Shut up. But what I thoroughly enjoyed about this matchup is that all parties not only were involved, um, all of them had a. That's what I love about. I think AEW multi-man tag matches. When it comes to six-man tag matches, they really do it proper. They really make it feel like every person in the matchup gets a wonderful moment. They get a really, really good moment in the matchup. It during the entire matchup, which is, which is what I, I appreciate, um, the fact that they started off with, uh, Jericho and Allen, um, from their title match in, back in 2019, um, back in November, that was a really cool thing, that was also, that was of course fun, um, Santino Ortiz got some shine, um, Quinn and, uh, Cassidy definitely got their moments in the matchup, which I can appreciate, it, it was a very, very fun match, you know, there was not one thing I didn't, you know, of course, crowd chanting Judas, Santana and Ortiz beating the hell out of everybody and the grandmama, you know, doing the say cheese stomps, the, uh, the Jericho and Allen, that was a fun part in the matchup. Um, 
there was not one person that, you know, didn't look as if they didn't get enough shine in this matchup. And I think that was that was a very important thing to come out of this. No, not one person did not get their shine. Um, which is what I love, which is what I appreciate, what I enjoy thoroughly, and what makes me very happy. They, uh, it makes me very happy to know that, you know, they treat they treat their main events as if they're the most important thing, like they're really the most important thing on the show. Everything else in between that, from beginning to end, um, it made it worthwhile. They made that match, they made it worthwhile, and. There was not one moment in that match that didn't feel important. You know, that, that they, they, they made this enjoyable. They made this fun. Um, the ending was great. Let me see here what we got right there. So, all, th- uh, all three men are down. I believe it was uh, uh, Ortiz, Cassidy, and uh, Santana. Cleveland firing up, gets the hot tag to Darby. Uh, Darby darts his PMP, um, hits, hits Jericho, rallies back on uh, Proud and Powerful, hits a flipping stunner, dives on the Jericho on the outside, goes up and over Santana, fire strikes, hits a destroyer, what they call a Yoshitonic, uh, which was the right right name call. Um, not everything is a destroyer, ladies and gentlemen. There is a such thing as a Yoshitonic and a Code Red, so call me shit. Um, that gets a two count, goes for the Clover League leg lock. Jericho slaps it apart. Quinn runs at Jericho, a pop up Pele, which is Clean as shit. Ortez hits a bat suplex on Quend. Cassidy comes in, hits a crucifix bomb. Um, Santana goes for the O'Connor roll, hits a cutter on Cassidy. Darby starts throwing hands on Santana. Jericho tags back in, hits a gets hit with a cabrada from Darby. Um, almost got a three count on that. That was a 2.9. Um, he then hits a drop kick on Hager, hits the coffin drop. Go after the tagged in. Hager gets wiped out. Quinn flies on a proud and powerful. Cassidy then becomes the legal man. Um, climbing on a Jericho. Hits a swan sign. One, two, and Jericho comes out at 2.9. Cass, I believe, yeah, Cassidy banging with the ref to say that was three. Um, Jericho reverses the Irish whip. Gets hit with the Judas effect, and that was enough to get the victory. So that was a very fun uh, finish. Very, very quick. Quick finish. Bang, 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 bang. You know, very, very quick finish, but it really, really did work. What I loved about the matchup afterwards is that, you know, um, they start going after Darby and Private Party. Um, you know, they hit him with the baseball, uh, the baseball, you know, the sock, the baseball's in it. Um, gut wrenches all around. Um, fan chanting for Moxley. Jericho uh, hits Darby um, with the title belt on Darby and on Quinn. Sammy Guevara grabs the skateboard. Um, Hager hits the low blow knee on Darby. Uh, Jerry, uh, Guevara uses the skateboard, smashes Darby Allen in the ribs. They say, oh, wait, you know, he uses the, smashes him in the ribs, uses the th- edge of the board on the throat against the mat. That was crazy. That was a crazy spot. And kudos to Darby for taking that spot because that looked absolutely fucking brutal. Um, they're about to end Darby. Marksley comes out with a bat. Um, swing sort of fences on each of the members. Jericho gets clear out of the way before he gets hit. And that's pretty much how we ended AEW this week. Moxley, of course, standing tall with Jericho in the inner circle, retreating away from Moxley. And that's how we ended AEW Dynamite this week. Very, very powerful episode um, across the board. That and That's the crazy thing about that. They really, really... Um, 
very, very good show. Brought a lot of things forward in that they were blending stories well um, with, you know, not just, you know, Hangman and Omega, but with Pac, uh, the Butcher and the Blade, um, you know, now bringing back in the, you know, Lucha Bros. That's going to be fun. Um, that, that was wild. That was very, very wild. Um, SEU, of course, in, in the hybrid two, I didn't want to talk about that too much because it really wasn't, it was a good match, but it wasn't the Dark Order story kind of took over more of what was important about that. Um, and of course, I think that's going to be a matchup at Revolution. I'm really going to be interested to see. Moxley and uh, the Inner Circle did fantastic. The six man tag was a very fucking good moment. Um, you know, and one thing I'm seeing here from um, Mitchell, who is, uh, who does the AEW Dynamite reviews for everything, who does all the coverage, is this one little sentence I was, I'm was i looking at right now is very interesting to see. Um, quote, Jericho is building momentum for Revolution, but as I said in the previous episode, I think Jericho loses to then transfer this into this budding trios division AEW has. Honestly, I'm excited to see what the inner circle can do with that story and what those belts will look like. So Mitchell is thinking, we're going to be getting a trios championship in AEW, and there's a lot of good and a lot of bad that can come out of trios championships. Now, here's the here is the good ver. Here's the good part about trios championships: you're able to get more talent onto the show, um, which is a good thing. Always, always good to see new talent on there. The bad about that is that you know how are you going to fit all of this in into a two-hour program? Um, especially for trios championships. Now, I love trios. I am a big fan of the uh, six-man tag matches. And when you can have six-man tag team titles, um, it's a very unique belt that most organizations don't have. Um, Ring of Honor has their version of it. New Japan has their uh, never open weight six-man tag team championships. Um, and they don't really aren't, it's not that they're not defended as often. But, you know, when they are defended, it does have some meaning behind it. So if there is a budding trios division in AEW, I'm going to be curious to see how they are able to incorporate all faces involved um, with this, especially if it's Jericho, Santana, and Ortiz, and, you know, the Butcher and the Blade. You can do the Elite, um, possibly doing that. So you do, you, you do have, you know, a mishmash of teams you can come up with. The thing is, though... Um, It's going to be very interesting to see what a trios division would look like. Um, but again, the thing is, though, how will you be able to um, use them week after week after week? Um, you're going to have to really take time with the trios division and develop the division to what you would want it to be. And so it's going to be very interesting to see what they would do with that going forward. But overall, great show from AEW Dynamite last night. And that is what I loved about AEW Dynamite this week. Coming up next, um, y'all know what it is. It's going to be what I hated about AEW this week. And surprisingly, I'm not just talking about the AEW women's division, although we will be discussing that. But there is one other particular thing about this. And I heard this from Joe Cronin and Jake DeMarco last night on their review of AEW. Y'all know I am a big Joe Cronin fan. And there's one thing Jake DeMarco said about AEW that I think really needs to be addressed and elaborated on a little bit more 
which I think needs to be talked about. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. We are going to relax, you know, get yourself, you know, relieve yourself if you must go to the facilities. Um, grab you a drink, grab you a snack or two, you know, do, do a little chore or something. And then come right back here and we'll discuss what I hated about AEW Dynamite from last night. We'll be right back. And we are back with episode 162 of the Young Lions Perspective. We're going to discuss what I hated about AEW Dynamite this week. And I want to start off with what I was listening to last night. Uh, I alluded to it in the previous segment. Um, talking about, you know, how, what, what Joe Cronin and Jake DeMarco were discussing in terms of AEW. And what they were discussing, well, more so Jake DeMarco was, and I actually agree with this, is that he stated AEW is trying to essentially bring everybody up instead of just having a select few that they're elevating right now. And that can become a big hindrance for the promotion going forward. Um, if there's one thing I will say about WWE, kind of, is that they do have a certain group that they're elevating at the moment, and then everybody else kind of falls back until it's their time to be elevated. Um, the thing that... And that's a big thing, though. It's a really, really big thing that... I take the heart because not everybody can get their shine, as I usually like to call it. Um, when you're bringing up everybody in terms of, you know, booking everybody, it kind of can get, get lost in translation a little bit as to who are the top guys. Um, you know, and one question he posed was that, you know, why is Kip Sabian, Kip Sabian facing someone the likes of Cody? Um, which is a very fair question um, in terms of, you know, how did Co- how did Kip Sabian get to Cody? You know, there wasn't a road that Sabian took, the opponent road of opponents he faced in order to get to a person the caliber of Cody. Which is a very, was a very, very interesting point. A very, very big, solid, interesting point. Um, that I'm trying to, you know, trying to piece my words together. Don't mind me for the silence for a sec. It's a really big deal for the simple fact that, you know. You can only bring a certain pe- amount of people up and showcase them first. And then you can start bringing up everybody else over time, which is a very, very big deal. Um, you have to, of course, take care of your top guys. You know, your Jericho's, your Moxley's, your Cody's, your Omega's, your Elite's, and all that stuff. Not everybody can be brought up into the forefront, into the limelight, and shown. That's, a, that's, that's pretty much the um, 
it's pretty much, you know, too many cooks spoiling the broth. Everybody, you know, all the cooks are just throwing their seasonings in there. And then it gets to a point where the broth is just shit. Completely shit. Um, doesn't taste very good. Um, you know, a lot of elements of the dish are pretty much shot. And it's just very, very, you know, becomes mismoshed. And, you know, it just doesn't, doesn't come out as well as you want it to. And I'm glad that Jake DeMarco really brought up this point um, from last night. Because you see it, you know, of course, Cody and Kip Sabian, albeit a good match. Um, Kip Sabian, to me, and when I first saw the matchup, I was like, oh, that's an interesting matchup. But why is Sabian in that position to face Cody? Feel me? You know, excuse me. Wait, what, what about maybe... I'm trying to think of a name that's very, like, very big name right now. Um, you know, what about, like, maybe a Sammy Guevara? But, I mean, he's not involved with it, so it's going to be more so along the lines of... I don't know, it's just... You know, with, with Sabian, you know, I would have liked him to focus more on Janela, since these two are in a budding rivalry, as opposed to facing a Cody. Like I said, albeit a good match, a decent match, but, you know, I think Sabian should be working on the on the mid-card where he, me personally, was where I have him in, in terms of tiers. Um, Cody is a top-tier guy, whereas Sabian is a mid-tier guy. And something like someone like a QC Marshall would be like a low-tier guy. Um, and don't get me wrong. Like I said, I like Sabian. I like what he brings to the table in terms of, you know, his ability is what he can do in the ring. Having Penelope Ford by his side is a huge plus. But... Yes, every once in a while, having a mid-tier guy face a top-tier guy is always a plus. But it, it, it has that feeling of, what did he do to get to that point? Which is what uh, Jake actually put out there. What did he actually do to get to Cody? Nothing. You know, you gotta, you, you can't build everybody. You know, you can't have just everybody be built. Strap with a rocket pack going to the top, and I think, and I, I, I think I was talking about this with Jermaine last night, and he kept, kept pretty much kept me in check on that, which I kind of need sometimes, um, and I'm glad Jermaine brought me back down a little bit, so shout out to Jermaine for that, um, and, this, and I'll get, I'll discuss that when we get to talking about the women's division, um, but the fact that, you know, you have your top tier guys, your mid tiers, and your lower tiers, and you aren't really keeping them in the plane in the same wavelength with each other. I would rather see them focus on saving Janela and have that start to become a thing. Now, I mean, having the Janela come out to ringside and, you know, get the double kiss on the cheek, yeah, that's a very nice thing. But, you know, I would like to see them, like, even if they use AEW Dark as a kind of a way to help build this matchup to get to Revolution, that would be a more proper way to utilize Sabian as opposed to just putting him in a match with, um... Cody just to have the match with Cody. Yes, it keeps them, um, yes, it does keep them, you know, active and, you know, put on the TV show and all that. But again, I think Dynamite is more, it's more on the lines of, you know, again, not everybody can be in the forefront. Not everybody can be, you know, because Dynamite, to me, personally, is more like for, like, the upper mid-card, top-tier guys. Whereas AEW Dark is for guys who are, like, guys and girls who are on the come-up, 
um, trying to make a name for themselves to get to Dynamite, which is kind of the way they would, did it with Allie uh, before she became uh, kind of like in, in a little thing with Brandy Rhodes um, and all that stuff. I would have preferred, you know, that in terms, you know, like I said, Kip Sabian Cody was a good match. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, you got to have, and I mean, one thing I, of course, want, and I, and I know I, I got to wait a while for it, is, of course, a, a mid-card championship. And that, and I've always stated that the mid-card is your foundation for everything else in terms of the upper mid-card main event guys. And that's a big fucking deal to me. That is just a big thing that I worry about because of the simple fact that, you know, I don't want to get guys lost in the shuffle. Guys like Havoc, guys like Darby, guys like Kip Sabian, guys like Janela, guys like MJF, who I consider an upper mid-card guy, um, top tier at the moment. Um, you know, guys like Cody, MJF, Jericho, Moxley, the Elite, Hangman, and all that stuff. Those are top storylines going on in the in the company. Um, Sabian Janela is not as like more down the list. So that's kind of a concern for me going forward is that they're bringing everybody up to the forefront and not just the select few that need to be noticed. That's going to be the key thing going forward is, is AEW, AEW going to realize that we can't bring everybody up just yet. We need to bring, of course, we need to focus on Jericho and Moxley and Cody and MJF and, you know, the elite and then the dark order angle. I'd say it would be the top four things. If you want to add a fifth Britt Baker coming into her own as a, as a heel, um, would be one of those top five storylines and focus on those and keep those in focus while lower on the lower on the card you can focus on a Sabian Janela you can you know have guys you know have a Sabian face of Brandon Cutler or have a Janela face um I'm trying to think of a lower tier heel right now and nothing's coming to mind like I, I wouldn't say a Nakazawa because that's like super that's like super lower tier um no, maybe, you know, just having like a Ray Phoenix or something like that, which Janela actually did have a match with Phoenix. Um, but just keeping the focus, like having, know where they stand and know where you, you have certain people pegged on the tiers and on the totem pole in terms of where they stand. Once you know that, then it kind of makes it easier for, you know, a Sabian Janela feud could actually take place and look better on it. Um, where, you know, that could be a main, like, dy- that could be a proper dynamite feud, as opposed to a, you know, possible match on a, on a pay-per-view feud. Like a Jericho Moxley, that we know it's going to build up to that matchup. Sabian Janela, they kind of use the NXT theory. Um, bigger matches des- you know, will deserve to be on takeovers, and for other people that aren't necessarily going to be on takeovers, having mini feuds within NXT during their weekly episodes does work. And I think AEW could take a little piece of that and focus on that, harness that, and then be able to have those mini feuds on Dynamite. They don't have to focus on them every single week. But having those mini feuds, I think, would definitely help certain stars, like a Sabian, like a Janela, like a Havoc, like an Allen, going forward. And that would be a big help for all parties involved. So I think for one like one thing, um, that's what AEW should focus on, is to know who, where everyone stands in terms of the top, from the top to the bottom, and then act accordingly according to where they stand. Once they kind of get that in order, because they're still they're still in their infancy, they're still you know what they're what three four months in, so 
I can understand, you know, going into now their fifth month of existence. So I can understand, you know, what they're trying to... I understand where they're trying to go and trying to get everybody involved, but not everybody needs to involve. Like, with the NFL, you have your starters, and then you have your, you know, second-tier guys. You know, not everybody can be a starter. Not everybody can be the top guy on the team. Not everybody can be the franchise player. If that were the case, there wouldn't be, a you know, one to, like, maybe seven guys that are in the forefront of the team. Like, like let's go with... um. Since we're in Super Bowl week, let's go with, uh, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers. Patrick Mahomes is the franchise guy. He is the guy they look, he is, they top, he is their top guy. He is their quarterback. He is the leader of the team. So so Mahomes is going to be the focus of the game. So is Jimmy Garoppolo. He is a starting quarterback. Those two are going to get the most focus in terms of the game. Feel me? Um, of course, you know, Kelsey, Kittle, Brita, Mostert, um, Tyreek Hill, all those guys, those are, are the top names. You're not going to really focus on the third string, you know, left tackle for the team if he's not a star, feel me? So that's what I kind of think what AEW does need to focus on for 2020. And if they can start working on that going forward, I think it would definitely benefit them in the long run. And to finally end, of course, we always talk about the state of the AEW Women's Division on here because I think, to me, it is the most concerning um, aspect of the game right now. Don't get me wrong. Um, but, of course, they always have their problems. And one thing Jermaine told me is this, you know, they're still a young organization. You know, they'll have their time to, you know, once they develop everything, it'll all make sense in the end. And I'm glad that Jermaine uh, sent me that tweet. Um, we were having a little bit of a conversation on Twitter last night. And shout out to Jermaine. Um, from the Patreon group chat, my dude, really cool dude, um, and he really, like, put me, like, got me back down to, like, ground level and made me realize, like, you know what, guess that, you know, because I even said, you know, AEW Women's Division is just confusing sometimes to me, um, Nyla Rose at the, at this very moment is the number one contender for the Women's World Championship, and I don't think she should be nowhere near the number one contendership of the championship, because she already had her chance to shine, when she went up against Rio in the first episode of Dynamite for the AEW World Champion, Women's World Championship, got suspended, got kayfabe suspended, and then comes back into the fold and now is recognized as the number one contender just a month later. Um, that is something I'm, I can't rock with and I'm not digging, especially when they're trying to build Brick Baker as the top heel of the division. Oh, look at you smiling, Doge. You're so cute. I'm baby talking my dog, deal with it. She just, she's smirking while she's sleeping right now, so it's kind of cute. And that's the thing, I think, right, I, I'm thinking in my head that they're going to have Britt Baker face Rio at Revolution. Now, going back to what Britt Baker had said in her promo, we haven't seen Rio in the past couple of weeks. So I don't know what's going on with that, what she's got going on, whatever, what have you. But, you know, it's very interesting to see that this division is, like, to me, like, kind of, and we'll, you know what, let's go with the, here's what we're going to do, we're going to go with the AEW women's, women's rankings right now, because th- this will kind of give me an idea of where they stand in this. Do, do, do. There we go. All right, so here we go, AEW women's world rankings as of, I guess, I don't know when they added. So, of course, Rio's the world champion. Nyla Rose is at one. 
you have Hikaru Shida at two. Chris Statlander at three, Britt Baker at four, and Awesome Kong at number five. My spidey senses is tingling like a motherfucker, because two of these people should not be on this list. I don't think Nyla Rose should be on this list, and I don't think Awesome Kong should be on this list. I think right now, how I personally would have it, um, I would say Britt Baker is the number one to me. Um, I think with where she, where they have her right now, what they're trying to do with her, I think Britt Baker and Rio should be the biggest focus for AEW Revolution, and I hope that's what they do um, going forward. I hope that's kind of like the thing they do and what they'll focus on going into AEW Revolution. I think this is what they've been working towards, and hopefully Rio does come back into the fold because not having your champion on its program for your women's division kind of hurts the division a little bit. So not having Rio on the show hurts. Um, and I hope that soon they get Rio back into it so she can start doing, you know, maybe non-title matches, going up against, you know, the likes of, you know, maybe Sadie Gibbs or Penelope Ford, maybe a big swole, somewhere along those lines to keep, you know, Rio in the fold and have fans realize, okay, that's our champion and she's good. Awesome Kong doesn't need to be on this list. I don't think she's going to be doing anything much any, much of anything anyway, personally, uh, going forward. She can't really wrestle much due to the fact that she's, you know, gotten the bumps and bruises over the years, plus having children and all that. And we've discussed that at length multiple times in the show. Um, Statlander definitely deserves to be in the top five, um, even though she is 0-1 on the year. Uh, but Karo Shida, I would say she does deserve to be on the top in the top five um, on there right now. I would say Statlander would be a solid number two. Shida would probably be at like a three or four. Um, then you can add other people coming in. Maybe I haven't watched enough AEW Dark to see the rest of the division. Uh, I know Shanna had another Rose went at it for a couple weeks. They had a match. Um, but Nyla Rose is the number one contender for the AEW Women's World Championship right now. Um, that, to me, is just a big no-no. Uh, I don't see her as a top, the top contender above everyone else. I see Britt Baker as the number one person um, in terms of contenders in this division. And they have to start acting like they, that she is. That's the thing. I mean, she did beat Priscilla Kelly last week, which is a good thing. Um, Statlander, I know, is still working on some dates. Um, and she'll be full-time very soon. Sheeta, I think, is a very good focus. But Rose and Kong, to me, I don't see as, you know, top contenders or a top five contender for the AEW championship right now. I just don't see it personally. Um, I don't know. I really honestly don't know how you can do that. Again, they're still in their infancy you know, how the fuck they have Sammy Guevara as number five at the men's rankings? I don't know, but I'm not even going to talk about that. It's a whole different story for another day. But just looking at the division going forward from what I've been noticing, Britt Baker is your top person. Britt Baker is your, your top contender for the championship. I think that she is the literally clear-cut number one right now in terms of contenders for... AEW's women's division going forward, and they really need to start acting like it. They really need to start... I'm, I'm trying to... It's the same thing I do with, uh, with WWE's main roster. Act like you have a women's division in there, because honestly, WWE's main roster isn't much. Isn't much of a division right now. It really isn't. Um, you know, granted, yeah, you do have, you know, Charlotte winning the Rumble. Bullshit. 
Um, Becky retaining over Asuka, smart call, and Bailey in a boring, in what I consider the, the worst match of the weekend coming out of Royal Rumble weekend. Um, and Bailey's still your number one contender. I still have hope that Bailey Sasha Banks is the match for that. But the wrestling division is pretty much non fucking existent. Um, you're not building contenders. You're not building um, contenders for your tag women's tag team championships. Um, I don't know who the top contender is right now for the tag team division. Um, nor do I actually give a shit because honestly, since its first year, its first full year, um, they they haven't done shit. Yes, they have like what they have had four tag champs since its inception. Um, Sasha Banks and Bailey, um, the Iconics. Um, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross, and then you had um, the current champs right now, Asuka and Kyrie Sane. Um, again, I have actually booked the tag title women's tag team championships at length, um, and you can go check out my old shit on my oh my page, anchor.fm slash Young Lions Perspective. I discussed this at length. I literally booked from Elimination Chamber of last year to SummerSlam of last year, and I booked it to fucking perfection. You know what I mean? I put that like I, that, I, I was giving you fucking genius on that shit, and it made sense. You know, it actually all of it made sense. Um, so you can go find all that. Like, if you go to, I would say right in between, you know, sometime during the summer, I did these episodes and I really discussed it at length. And I'll kind of paraphrase it like this: I had Sasha Banks and Bailey winning the. Um, women's tag team championships and doing what they're going to set out to do go to NXT defend the championships defending the goal no team with the you know and everything pretty much aligned with Banks and Bailey facing Asuka and Kairi Sane at SummerSlam for the women's tag team championships and that and that in building the division it would only come down to these two teams that were left um that they were the top two teams that they needed this to be settled I think this was they need to know who really is the best out of these two teams and that was that was the main focus of it, focusing on, you know, you know, fire and, and you're building fire and desire. You're building the iconics. Um, you can start building other tag teams, Natalia and Beth Phoenix. You know, you can have you can have the the, the Bella Twins if you wanted to, um, which I'm not a fan of that ever. But you can actually start building that and having that going from, you know, Elimination Chamber to SummerSlam, and in the end, that. Kyrie Sane and Asuka would defeat Sasha Banks and Bailey um, to become the new tag team champions. But the thing is, though, you would actually help build up, you know, teams like um, Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox. You could have done, you know, a Jessamine Duke, Marina Shafir, kind of to have that kind of pseudo four horsewomen versus four horsewomen matchup. Um, I'm sure there were plenty of teams at that time in NXT that would have been ready to go at them for the tag team championships. And the problem, and the thing was, WWE never did that. They never really worked on, you know, building that division. They just introduced tag team championships and there you fucking go. There it is. That's it. That's your division. We're done here. So they really fucked that division up. And I don't want to see the AEW women's division fuck up royally. It's the point where it's just non-existent and no one really gives a shit about it. I want to see how you know, the, the women's division does develop. Hopefully, in due time, um, they can actually build their totem pole as well and kind of, you know, that I, I, I say personally, if it's Baker versus Rio, 
that would probably be the match of the AEW Women's Revolution for the Women's Championship. Um, I think that they would do... They would do that. It would be interesting to see how they do it going forward. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious. I'd be curious to see what they what they're gonna do for 2020. What my my thing is, the biggest thing is that we now need to start seeing, we need to start seeing more of the division, and and it, and we did get to see Big Swole last night, which is good. Um, but I do want to see a Sadie Gibbs. I do want to see a Penelope before in action. I do want to see the rest of the division um, being focused on. I would like to see a Sadie Gibbs Priscilla Kelly matchup. I think that would be a fun matchup to watch. Um, you know, when Shanna comes back from injury, I would like to see a Shanna versus a Big Swole. You know, I would like to see that division. You know, I would like to see matchups within the division to. I would like to see that. I would like to see, you know, going forward, more of the division. I think that's the biggest thing that I would want to see. I want to see the rest of the division in action. And once they start doing that, I think it'll definitely help the cause for the rest of them going forward. I really would like to see that. I would really like to see just more out of them, personally. That's just my thing. You know, I would like to see A.B. Priestley go up against the, you know... A Hikaru Shida. I would like to see a Chris Statlander go up against, you know, Penelope Ford. I want to see a little variety of my division that I'm seeing, you know. I would like to I would like to see that. I would like to see, you know, just a lot more variety in my division. And the and the further we get into 2020, hopefully that's what we will get. That's what I hope we will see going forward. And if that becomes a thing, then I think that becomes more of a positive for the division as a whole. And for me personally, as a person who is a fan of AEW in and of itself. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is going to complete, or should I say conclude, episode 162 of the podcast, uh, Love, Hate, AEW Dynamite. So what we're going to do, as we always do, we're going to end the show in proper YLP fashion and get you ready for episode 163 of the podcast going down tomorrow. We'll be right back. Well, guys, that's going to be it for episode 162 of the Young Lions Perspective Club, AAEW Dynamite. I want to thank you guys so much for taking time out of your day, your night, your afternoon, your evening, wherever you may be, wherever you are in the world. Thank you guys so much for taking out this episode of the podcast. And as always, I greatly and truly appreciate it. If you enjoyed this episode, do you have any thoughts, opinions, ideas for the show itself? Or if you just want to, you know, smack talk about AEW or NXT or whatever, hit us up on our page with a voice message, anchor.fm slash WrestleAddictRadio, okay? WrestleAddictRadio, hit us up with a voice message there. And if you get getting worn related towards me and my show, and I like it enough, I'll have no problem featuring it on a future episode of The Young Lions Perspective Podcast. Of course, if you enjoyed this episode, do not hesitate to tell a friend to tell a friend about the Young Lions Perspective. Share this episode 
across all your social media. Share every episode from Wrestle Addict Radio across all your social media. The Instagram, the Twitters, the Facebooks, your Tinder, your Bumble, your LinkedIn profile, whatever you got. Share these episodes. Show the love. Show some support for the War family without fail. Of course, you got to know what I got coming up. Of course, the good, the bad, and the ugly that was NXT TakeOver Portland. The good, the bad, and the ugly that was AEW Revolution. The good, the bad, and the ugly that was Elimination Chamber are just the next big shows coming up, as well as Love, Hate, AEW Dynamite, and Love, Hate, NXT. Wouldn't be that much. It's, it's a fun time, especially that we're in WrestleMania season now. We're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to do a lot of fun stuff for WrestleMania season from, from the YLP side of things, and also from the War side of things as well. So it's going to be an interesting time, so you'll definitely want to get in on the action and let the people know that in 2020, not just WrestleMania Radio, but the Young Lions Perspective is your alternative for professional wrestling podcasts and that we are here to stay. Now, I know most of y'all do not have the Anchor app, and that's fine. You know, everybody has their certain platform they like to listen to with the podcast deal and everything, and that's fine. That Variety is the spice of life, you know, that's what they say, no? But if you don't have the Anchor app and you still want to listen to this episode of the podcast and every other podcast that we have on there, the Game Changer podcast, Kings of the Rings podcast, if you want to check out the one night only show between Kate Murphy and my boy Mint, you can find all of that, of course, across several different platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, CastBox FM, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, CastBox FM, Stitcher Radio, and of course, that good old Spotify fan. Search for the Young Lions perspective across all these different platforms. And you should have no problem finding it whatsoever. Of course, if you want to get even more exclusive access to us, and in 2020, we're going to give you a lot more across the board. And I can't wait for that to be to be a part of that as well. It's going to be fucking wild. Follow us over on our Patreon, patreon.com. Search for Wrestle Attic Radio. Find us over there. You can join us for a very, very nice price. And, of course... You can get even more exclusive access to episodes, even more stuff outside of what you hear on Wrestle Edit Radio here on the Anchor app. And that's a very cool thing. Definitely want to get in on that. Join the War family over on Patreon. And hopefully we can see you soon from there. If you want to stay up to date with everything that's going on with the Young Lions Perspective podcast, when I'm going to be live tweeting 60 second thought videos, all that good stuff, follow me over on my Twitter at Swade. Senator War, that's S-U-E-D-E-S-E-N-A-T-O-R, capital W, capital A, capital R. I do live tweeting for AEW Dynamite. SmackDown Live, even though right now, personally, to me, it's hanging on by a fucking thread whether I want to continue with that or not. But also, I do live tweeting for every AEW Live pay-per-view, every WWE Live pay-per-view, and every NXT and NXT UK take over special as well as on the rare occasion that i'm up at three o'clock in the morning and i have nothing else better to do because i can't go to sleep i do live tweeting for new japan pro wrestling as well hasn't happened but when it does and you're sleeping and when you see that tweet it's gonna happen it's rare but it happens guarantee you it's gonna happen also you can follow me over on my instagram at young underscore lions underscore perspective 60 second thought videos the memes that i've already started been putting on there and I'm telling you now that we're in WrestleMania season, the memes are going to get super effing spicy, like hot oil. 
It's going to be spicy, y'all. <laughs> it's going to be fun. But definitely follow me on both of those platforms. Stay up to date with everything that's going on with the Young Lions Perspective Podcast. So, episode 163 of the podcast will be going down tomorrow afternoon. Of course, y'all know I'm on my five, uh, second day of five-day vacation, which I do appreciate to end the fiscal year at my job. So I appreciate my job for that. Much appreciated to let me have vacation time. So I'm enjoying that. So day three of my vacation will be, of course, Love, Hate, NXT. I I recorded it last night. I don't watch NXT while I'm watching AEW. That's just kind of my thing. Yes. Hi, you want to? No, okay, send the love seat. You little shitted. Hate when you do that. <laughs> Messing up my flow, child. <laughs> but I'm going to watch it today. And then tomorrow we're going to discuss what I loved and what I hated from last night's episode of NXT. It looked wild. From what I saw on the tweets, it is wild. I don't usually like spoilers, um, all that stuff, but you can't get away from it when you're on Twitter and you're trying to live tweet. You see stuff from NXT. So I'm going to go with that. Let's go back Go back to that today. Watch that and see what goes down. And we'll discuss it all tomorrow. So until then, guys, enjoy the rest of your day. Um, not much going on in the world of professional wrestling unless you're watching old show over episodes from this past week. Again, enjoy the rest of your day. It's a pretty nice day outside from where I'm at and, and where I'm in my neck of the woods. So I'm going to do that. Enjoy the rest of my day. And I'll see you right back here tomorrow afternoon for episode 163 of the Young Lions Perspective. See you.